the series called No Strings Attached, where we'll talk about one of the core values of Outer West Community Church, which is generosity. And today we're going to do something special. We're going to do something that we've never done before, so hang on for that in a moment. And here's the thing. Generosity is much more than money, but we are going to talk about money. Everybody say, yay! We're going to talk about money, and here's why. Because money was important to Jesus. He talked about money a lot, and we find themes of money in Scripture. So if it's important to God, it's important that we talk about it this morning. Uh, you may have seen these stats before, but there are 500 verses on prayer in the Bible, 500 verses on faith. There are over 2,000 verses on money and possessions. In fact, 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus shares with his disciples are about money. It's a lot of talking about money from Jesus because Jesus knew how important it was to talk about money. Put it this way, if Jesus was teaching at this church, close to half the year will be spent teaching about money. His church probably wouldn't be that popular in 2023. Jesus knew the importance of money. And for Jesus, money was something deeply spiritual. A lot of times, though, I would go as far as to say that you and I this morning, uh, we may not agree with all of Jesus' teachings when it comes to money, and we do this sometimes, us Christians, we like to separate ourselves from certain topics and themes and verses in the Bible, right? So like, we'll see Jesus, this rich young ruler, the story of the rich young ruler, he approaches Jesus and says, Master, what should I do to follow you? And Jesus says, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then follow me. And we look at that man and say, I feel bad for that dude. Like Jesus called him out, told him to sell everything he had. That must be tough for him. And we don't realize at the heart of the message, Jesus is telling this man something that he's telling to everyone that desires to follow him. Or we see messages that Jesus says, teachings where he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. And we say, gosh, I feel bad for Jeff Bezos. I feel bad for Elon Musk, all those rich people out there. I feel bad for them. Like, they might not even be able to get to heaven. And we don't realize that close to 99% of the world looks at us as the rich people. So here's what Jesus understood. Jesus knew this when he said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Jesus knew the way that he needs to tell who we are and what we give ourselves to. It's not about how often we attend church, how many life groups we're a part of, how many Bible verses we highlight on the Bible app, how many positions we've held at churches. Jesus knows for him to understand what we give ourselves to, all he needs to do is look in our bank accounts. That's why he says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let me clarify what we're going to do over the next few weeks because I know, I get it. Churches talking about money gives all of us, including me, a little bit of anxiety, right? So here's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. We're going to allow the teachings of Jesus on money to inform the way that we view and spend our money. Because for Jesus, like I said earlier, the way that we spend and use our money was a spiritual habit. You guys with me so far? No one's left so far, it's a good sign. I'm going to make a bold statement this morning as I start. And this might make you a little defensive. And you might even feel a little uncomfortable by it. But that's okay because it's true. Here's what I would say. All of us have more money than we actually need. There's a study that was done by um, one poll, and here's what they found. What they found is that Americans, we spend a lot of our money on non-essential items. Now, here's what non-essential items are. These are items that do not have an effect on our well-being. So here's what the stats show, and maybe you can relate to some of these or maybe even the whole list. This is on average what Americans spend on non-essential items every month. $209 on restaurant meals. 
$188 a month on average on drinks, $177 on takeout or delivery, $173 on buying lunch, $108 on impulse purchases. Wives say amen. Just kidding. $96 on ride shares, $94 on personal grooming. Husbands say amen. $93 on subscription boxes, $113 on cable or streaming, $84 on online shopping, $72 on gym or classes, $72 a month on apps, $23 on music streaming, $22 on coffee a month, guilty as charged, $17 on bottled water, close to $1,500 a month or $18,000 a year on average are spent by Americans on non-essential items. Before we dive in, let me say this. Our money is to be enjoyed, right? Like we work hard for our money. I get to take my kids out for ice cream on Saturdays because I have money from working. Right? I get to buy my kids toys because through working, my wife and I get to buy our kids toys. But here's what I also know. My kids have a playroom and 98% of that playroom are toys that they will never enjoy or be able to process enough to enjoy. Most of their playroom is non-essential Items. And the worst part is that we've gotten so used to this type of spending. Here's a quote that I want to share. French sociologist, uh, sociologist John Baudillard has made the point that in the Western world, materialism has become the new dominant system of meaning. He argues that atheism hasn't replaced cultural Christianity. Shopping has. And we don't think twice about this. You guys know the frog and the tea kettle analogy. If you don't know it, here's how the analogy goes. You take a frog... And you put the frog into a boiling pot of water. And what does it do? It jumps out of the water because it, it equates high temperature to high risk. But you take the same frog and you put it into a cold uh, kettle of water and you gradually increase the temperature to a boiling point. The frog cannot detect the threat before it's too late. And so in other words, what happens with this frog is the frog has these internal built-in defense mechanisms that can detect these significant changes, massive shifts to the way that it feels. So it's feeling the temperature, room temperature, and then all of a sudden it's feeling the boiling water. It jumps out. But slow, small, subtle changes are ignored by the frog and written off as a normal part of life. And this is what has happened to each and every one of us here what would have been considered lavish spending two decades ago is just normal. So $1,500 a month on average, that's normal. That's stuff that everyone does, so we just do it. And because we've slowly given ourselves to culture that says, buy this, spend this, subscribe to me. Oh, that celebrity is wearing those shoes. Get four pairs of this. Spend it all on me. We've slowly given ourselves to, think that, to things that we actually don't need, and we're cooked when it comes to the other parts of our lives. We have nothing left to give when it comes to the parts of our lives that God has designed for us to live. And here's how I know this is true. Some other stats for you. 38% of Americans claim that they can't afford to fund their retirement plan because they don't have enough money. 35% can't afford a life insurance policy. 28% can't afford to pay a credit card debt. 26 can't afford to pay car repairs. And this is a recent study from January. 56% of Americans could not afford a $1,000 emergency bill. Now, I'm not saying that there's not people that are actually struggling because of the economy or the families that they grew up in or the nature of their lives, but I would bet that a good amount of people on here that can't afford the emergency bill or the car repairs has in their hands the latest iPhone in their closets, the latest wardrobes. 
we're talking about life insurance and 401k and retirement plans and emergency bills, all the, some of the essential stuff that we need, st things that we need in life, people can't afford. We haven't even gotten to the good stuff of giving away our money. How can we? Because we spend it all and we live in this habitual cycle of spending first, then saving, and then giving. This is, the, this is the cycle that we find ourselves in. And based on what I just talked about, most folks can't get past spend to get to save, let alone to giving. I know some of you are saying, bro, have you seen the economy? Inflation in the country? Have you seen how our country is being run? How are you going to stand up there and yell at us about money? But here's what I would tell you. In January of 2023, we saw the highest tick in retail sales in the last two decades. So we're spending more money than ever despite all that's going on around us. And so here's a question that I want to ask you at our West Community Church. Is all of this spending getting us anywhere? It's all the spending getting us anywhere. There's a group of sociologists. They did this study and they came out with this book, if you're interested. It's called The Paradox of Generosity. And what they did was they surveyed two groups of people. The first group, and this is not a Christian book, by the way. The first group, they gave away over 10% of their income. They were generous with 10% of their income. The second group did not give 10% or more of their income. And then they asked these two groups of people whether they were very happy in life, somewhat happy in life, or unhappy. And surprisingly enough, the group that gave 10% or more lived much happier lives and also found greater purpose in lives. They also ran the same test for those who volunteered, those who invested the most in their relationships. And every time those who gave most of their time, their talent, their resources, and their money would end up being the happiest. Maybe some skeptics in the room. They also built in some control factors in this study that might impact a person's happiness based on factors like household income. And so what they found is that we've controlled for any effects of household income as well as many other factors and the positive association between financial giving and happiness still remains. I know this sounds pretty wild. This is not a book that they made me read in seminary. These are a group of sociologists that are curious about a principle that God instilled a long time ago. Here's what the book of Proverbs says. There is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds what is right, but it leads to poverty. This is the paradox of giving in God's kingdom. Those who give away are blessed, and those who with, withhold end up in poverty or in a state of wanting more and more. The paradox of giving is that you don't spend to get a return. You give to get a return. The paradox of giving is that you can't buy yourself happiness, but you might be able to give yourself to it. And this is a principle that God has established. Henry Nouwen says it this way. The goal of giving money is not just reaching the outside world, but reaching what's in here. That's the goal of our money. God has a totally different way for us to live our lives. In fact, I believe God wants us to flip the script on our cycle of spending first, then saving and giving, to give, save, and then spend. I know what you're thinking. What are you talking about? Give first? This is impossible. For us to flip the script and live the way that God wants us to live, we're going to have to make some intentional changes. To make giving a first priority and a, not a last resort in our lives, we've got to truly understand God's way of giving, which is what I call giving with no 
strings attached. Giving with no strings attached. We have a hard time, though, giving with no strings attached. Because for us, money is transactional. It's an exchange of goods. It's a zero-sum game or a win-lose game. Let me give you an example. Let's say my wife, Crystal, and I, we made a million dollars. You know that's not true because I'm a pastor. Let's just say hypothetically we made a million dollars. And we currently give away 15% of our income, but let's say for the sake of this argument, we give away 20% of our income. So we make a million dollars hypothetically and we give away 20% of our income. The way that most of us view our generosity is this. I will be giving away $200,000, but I will be losing $200,000 worth of spending power. So it's win-lose. So whoever I give $200,000 to wins, and now I've lost out on what the money that I could have spent this on. We view money in this transactional way. It's a zero-sum win-lose game. It's giving with strings attached. God challenged me on this about a year ago. About a year ago, I was selling something, um, a playset that we had bought for my kids in our backyard. And we spent a lot of money on this, and our kids use it like two times and never use it again. So talking about non-essential spending. And so I said, you know what, we're going to sell this item. And I listed it on Facebook Marketplace. It's the only reason I use Facebook. So if you've added me as a friend and I haven't gotten back to you in like a year, it's because I don't actually use Facebook. I only use it to sell stuff. So anyway, I list this playset on Facebook to sell. This lady reaches out to me. She's interested. I say, hey, come on by, look at it. She comes to my house. I show her the playset. She brought her son with her. Her son is like testing out the playset. He's sliding on it. And we get to talking for a little bit. And I come to find out that this woman is a single mother. And she's there by herself. She's taking care of her child. And she brought the exact amount of money. So she said, hey, it's this X amount of dollars, right? And I said, yeah. And so she sent it to me on the app. I helped her load the item into, the, into her truck. She's, uh, she's sitting in my driveway. And I walk back into my garage. And I'm looking at the money that's on my phone. And I felt this nudge from God. And this question came up, do you really need this money? And I said, yeah, of course I need this money. Have you seen the prices of diapers nowadays? Like, <laughs> and I'm looking at my car in the garage. I'm going, I can buy some parts for this car. What kind of question is this? Of course I need this money. But I couldn't shake this question. Just kept coming over to my mind. There are these moments in life where it's like you can't shake it and you know that God might be up to something. And so I felt this conviction over me and I, I turned around and I look at this single mom that's sitting in her truck with her son. And I was almost embarrassed. You just got money from her, from a single mom, money that you did not need when you could have been generous. And she drives off and I'm feeling kind of embarrassed and convicted by it. So I message her and I say, hey, uh, I know this is weird. Uh, but I feel like I'm supposed to just give this to you for free, so I hope this blesses you. Uh, I hope your son enjoys it. And here's the money. I send the money back to her. And then going back to this um, theme, the study of like when you give, you feel good about yourself. Like I felt good about myself. I went inside. I told my wife what happened. She's like, oh, great job. Why would you charge money from a single mom? She's making me feel bad. I said, don't be holier than thou. And so anyways, we were feeling happy about it. I thought God was done with me, like, you told me to do something, God, I did it, pat myself on the back, we're all good. And in some ways, it did draw me closer to God, because it felt like a nudge, and then I obeyed on that. So, a few days go by, and here I am on Facebook Marketplace, and lo and behold, the item that I just gave away for free is listed for sale. <laughs> and I'm going, there's no way, right, like, there's no way. 
this is the same person. Like maybe someone else bought the same playset. I looked at it. It's the same person. I'm going, no, you didn't. <laughs> and a part of me is like, you know what? I respect it. She's probably looking at this guy like this sucker just gave away a playset. I'm going to flip it, make some money on it. Like I respect the hustle. But the part that bothered me wasn't that she was selling the item. Like, if I sold her this playset and then she sold it, I mean, that's how the world works, right? Like, you sell and you buy and this, this is how the world works. The part that bothered me is that I was generous towards her. And this is how you repay my generosity. And I started praying and asking myself, like, why is this bothering me? And God challenged me on this, and this was a total setup from God from the beginning. And he said, in my economy, generosity doesn't come down to transactions or exchanges. In my economy, generosity is giving with no strings attached. Because you're simply reflecting what I've done for you in your life. We just read earlier, we did nothing to earn what God has done for us in our lives. Like you don't get a tax right off on the cross. There was no transaction. There was no exchanging of goods. It was a free gift given to you by God. You did nothing to earn it. It's generosity with no strings attached. So in God's economy, in God's kingdom, being generous is not a zero-sum game. It's not win-lose or lose-lose it's actually win, win, win. We're reflecting God's generosity. God has taught us a way to live. Win. We're meeting the needs of someone that might have a need. That's a win. And through that, we're blessed and find purpose and deeper purpose in life. Our relationship with God is never transactional. So when we're generous towards God, we simply reflect his generosity towards us. And this is going to be hard, though, for many of us to live out. It's still hard for me at times. It's a totally new way of living and understanding. Like, think about every time you took a dollar and you were going to use it, you viewed it through the lens of not spend, save, give, but give, save, spend. This will radically alter the way that you live your lives. Giving with no strings attached is entering this new way of living, this total new reality that God has for us. Worship team, you guys can come on up. Here's how Paul writes about this type of giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He says this, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Notice the themes and the symbolism of planting seed. The same that we found in Proverbs of scattering what you have. Every act of generosity is a seed that's planted that will yield a harvest. It's the way that God's kingdom works. So what is that harvest? Is it more money? No. Maybe, but probably not. Here's a harvest that Paul is speaking to. Continues in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. It says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can... Not just one time or twice, always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And then Paul makes one of the most profound statements about generosity in Scripture. He says this, two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And number two, they will joyfully express 
their thanks to God. He says, this is the point of generosity. And Paul calls it the ministry of giving. A lot of times we view giving as an obligation. We give because of shame or guilt or we're taught to do it or someone told you to do it. He calls it the ministry of giving. In other words, <clears throat> it's an office. It's a responsibility. It's a privilege. It's an honor to follow through on God's commands. Ministry of giving. What a beautiful way to view the money that we have. And he says two things will happen when you live out the ministry of giving. Number one, the needs of people will be met. And number two, because their needs are met, they will joyfully express their thanks to God. The ministry of giving allows you to meet someone's need and help them see that God cares about them and is their provider and their refuge and is there for them. What better honor in life than to help people do those two things, to meet their needs and to help them see that God is with them. This is the beauty of the generosity that God has for us, the ministry of giving. I was a recipient of the ministry of giving many years ago in so many ways, but one specific story I'll never forget. I went on a trip in Ethiopia in 2009 that forever changed my life. It's a trip where I gave my life to Jesus and entered ministry. I've shared that story many times. But the reason I was able to go on that trip, my pastor at the time asked me, hey, do you want to go to Ethiopia with us? It's like $3,000, and I'm going... Are you kidding? I'm in high school. I work at Circuit City. They just closed down. Like, no. <laughs> and so he said, okay, pray about it. And then he comes back to me a week later and he says, hey, there's a family in the church that wants to pay for your entire trip. And I still pray for that family like 13 years later, 14 years later. I was a recipient of the ministry of giving. And in return, I'm standing up here because of their generosity. So you are a recipient of their giving 14 years ago. A friend of mine who God has blessed, and he's a wealthy man. Here's what he told me a few months ago. He said his goal is to die with no money left in his bank account. What a beautiful picture of ending your life well. Having met the needs of countless people and helping countless people see God cares and give thanks to God. What would it look like if we could make giving a first priority and not a last resort? It would mean that we would enter this new reality, this ministry of giving, this privilege that God has given to us. I think all of us understand what it means to spend some of us probably need to unlearn what it means to spend. I think a few of us are good at spending, at saving. But here's the thing. If you need help with any of this, it's hard to enter into giving when you've got lots of credit card debt and you don't have a budget, you don't know how to figure out life. So we're starting Financial Peace University on May 24th. And I would encourage you, don't be too prideful to join it. This could alter the course of your life and help you get into a space where you can enter the ministry of giving. Dan, our executive pastor, will be leading it, and you can sign up for that at outerwest.org. But here's the second thing. We want to model this for you as a church, and we want to invite you to steward the finances of God well. So today, on Mother's Day, 
we're going to give away $20,000. So ushers, if you guys can come down the aisles, our ushers are going to pass out envelopes. And I want you to hold on to those envelopes for a moment. Don't open it. And here's what we're doing. 5,000 of those dollars are going to go towards one of our local mission partners, Life Choices. And they're an organization on Mother's Day, how fitting, that comes alongside mothers who are going through pregnancy and are not sure how to get through it. Uh, they can't afford health care for it. They need some counseling for it. They need some prayer for it. Husbands and wives, and this is an organization that comes alongside of these folks. And it's a beautiful ministry. In fact, last time we went there, they had this list in the director's office of people that had given their lives to Jesus just because they're helping people find affordable health care and counseling. So 5,000 of those dollars will go to life choices on this Mother's Day. So if you've given to Outer West, you're giving through us to those mothers. But the rest of that money this morning is going to go into your hands. And we want to invite you to be good stewards of God's resources. Good stewards of God's resources. Some of us may not have had the opportunity to give without strings attached. Some of you may not have had the opportunity to give without being pressured or without really thinking about it or praying or considering who it's going to without this idea of the ministry of giving. So we want to invite you to participate in that. And we trust you with these dollars that are coming through this church. But most importantly, God trusts you with his resources. And it's not just what's in your envelope. It's everything that belongs to you, God trusts you with. So in these envelopes are $10 bills, $20 bills, $50 bills, $100 bills. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray about where you're going to invest these dollars. Like not into the stock market. Don't do that. It's probably not a good time for that anyway. But pray about how you're going to bless someone, how you're going to live out this ministry of giving. This might be the first time that some of you have prayed about giving money away. And it's a beautiful way to live your lives. So number one, pray. Ask God, God, how are you calling me to steward this? Here's number two. Maybe you'll pray and you'll realize, and God's telling you, hey, you can't afford your next month's rent. Keep that for yourself. You don't know where you're going to get your next set of groceries. Keep that for yourself. If that's you and you're in that space, keep the money for yourself. If not, ask God, God, how can I steward what you've put in my hands? And here's an ultimate rule. You cannot give this money back to Outer West Community Church. You can't drop it in the envelopes when you leave, in the, in the drop boxes when you leave. This has to go to someone that you pray about. And someone in your community, your circle of influence, in your schools, in your neighborhoods, it needs to go out into the places that God has placed us in. So if you have those envelopes, you can open those envelopes and see what's inside. For some of you, it might be $10. And you might be thinking, it's $10. Like this is a cup of coffee at Starbucks nowadays. $10 a day is the average salary of people in close to 20 countries in the world in 2023. Let me repeat that. $10 a day is the average income 
of people in close to 20 countries in the world right now. So that is a significant amount of money that's in your hands. Maybe you got 50 or $100. You have a, a bigger task ahead of you. That's a lot of money that you're going to need to learn how to steward well. And I pray that you would pray and be a good steward of this money, of God's resources, and invest it wisely in God's kingdom. And last thing, there's the last thing that I'll ask. We want to hear about these stories of generosity. And so once you give, we want you to share those anonymously at outerwest.org slash no strings. So just go on that at any time. Once you prayed about it, God speaks to you clearly about where to put it. Go at outerwest.org slash no strings and tell us your story. If you're watching online, sorry, you should have been here. Just kidding. If you're watching online, you can go on the same link, outerwest.org slash no strings, and we'll try to get you an envelope as well. I want to invite you to stand. This isn't an opportunity for us to tap ourselves on the back and celebrate because we get to give some money away. This is an opportunity for us to enter this new reality, this new way of living, the ministry of giving. Helping people meet their needs and helping point them to a good God who cares about them. And may we be as individuals and as a church, like the writer of the Proverbs says, those who scatter, not just with this money, but with everything that we have and are enriched daily, not as those who withhold and are still wanting more and more. Amen? Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for these people. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the privilege, for the ministry, for the responsibility, for the opportunity to be good stewards of the resources that you've given to us. Pray that every single person would pray and consider what it means to steward these well. And as we share our stories, we will be reminded of the impact that our generosity can make in our community. We thank you, God, that you trust us. Everything that we have is yours. Thank you that you trust us with what you've given us. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus and his gift to us on that cross that was nothing but generous, not transactional, not an exchange outside of an exchange of our sins for his righteousness. We thank you that it's out of that we overflow with generosity in our lives. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. And the